Here at the Holy Hive Show, we consider ourselves to be a jolly, wholesome group of people, but we feel the need to remind you, the listener, that our show does contain uh, strong language. We tend to discuss adult themes, and every now and then we'll take part in the occasional satanic ritual. So, you know, please use discretion. Thank you. Welcome to The Holy Hive Show, a podcast about culture, Utah culture, current events, and everything great about the Beehive State. I'm Jordan Delacruz here with Dan Lawler. Dan, what's up? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, today on the show, we're going to be joined by local R&B artist, Jay Warren. Very excited to talk to him about his journey through music and also Utah's music scene. But first, Dan, I wanted to do some follow-up. Last week, you were talking about New Year's resolutions and... You were talking about your Duolingo journey. Yes, sir. Since then, have you broken your Duolingo streak? Oh no, I'm uh, I'm I got a 207 day streak going right now. Um, nice. So it's so it's going strong. It is definitely so. Like to to do the streak, you just have to to complete one lesson a day. Um, mm-hmm. And my goal is to complete probably like four lessons a day. Like that's my daily aspiration on Duolingo. Um, and I've yeah. definitely fallen off of that because I moved this week. So it's been mostly like, all right, let me hurry up and get my, my one lesson out of the way. And then yeah, yeah. today, today I really, I noticed that I was really falling down the leaderboard. So I, I did a lot more work today than typical, but yeah. So there's a competitive element to this. Yes. Up until like a few <laughs> weeks ago, I was in the, the top, the top league, the diamond league, um, which is like the top 30 Duolingo users in the world for every given language. Um, mm-hmm. And so now I'm in the Obsidian League, which is the second second place league. So I'm one of the top 60 Spanish users in the world. That's good, I guess. Right on. That's right. Reminds me of Over- Overwatch just trying to go from gold to plat. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> do, you, do you think at this point you uh, feel comfortable enough to have like a conversation? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, it depends. I mean, it depends on the conversation. If it's like, yeah, if it's like a very basic, like greeting, yes. Um, I'm still going to be searching for words here and there, but Mm -hmm. I do think that that's the type of thing that I really need to get into is finding someone who I can actually speak with instead of just like reciting the same things that a computer is telling me to recite, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So may I may I uh, recommend the the Latino Mall in Salt Lake? That's a good recommendation. Have you ever been there? I've never been there. No. Yeah. So I, I didn't even know it existed until uh, a couple uh, weeks ago. We were driving around looking for Mexican food, and we were just googling uh, places nearby. We were in kind of in West, driving around West Valley, and uh, we found this great Mexican restaurant that uh, is in like a mini mall. I think, I think they just call it the Latino mall. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a rancho market connected to it. And there's a few stores and stuff inside. And they got this, uh, little, uh, tortas y jugos stand, mm-hmm. um, called El Morelense. I think Mo- Morelense. Anyway, you can see I'm, I'm, my, my, my race is showing. You're doing a good job. Uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the, the reason why I wanted to bring up this experience is because, uh, we ordered food online, and we went to pick up the order. And I didn't know it was in a in a in in like a mall. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and I, I stepped up to the counter to ask for my order, 
And since my last name is Dela Cruz, just, and this happens all the time. Like if, if there's someone who's a Spanish speaker, whether it's like at Costco or something, they see my last name, Dela Cruz, they'll immediately start speaking Spanish. Yeah. And, um, so I walk up, she says something to me in Spanish and I was like, I, I did the whitest thing ever, which was like, uh, lo siento, mi, mi español es no bueno. And she like laughed <laughs> and she was yeah. like, oh, okay. And, uh, so th- th- like if you go into the Latino mall, pretty much all Spanish speaking, just go yeah. in there and start striking up conversations with people. That's what I'm going to um, have to do. I also get shamed a lot too. Like that happened to Costco. Someone was like, uh, Dela Cruz, you speak Spanish? And I'm like, no. And she's like, mm. <laughs> I'm like, I, I have a very white family despite my last name. Um, but, um, yeah, maybe, maybe down the line, once you, uh, hit that platinum level Duolingo, you can, uh, start your own Spanish speaking podcast here. There you go. That'd be awesome. That's what I'm all, all about. Right, uh, in a little bit, we're going to be jumping into our interview with Jay Warren, but first we're going to go over some news items real quick. Kind of a slow news day this week. A lot going on nationally, but not very much going on locally. Not as much, um, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I did read, though, that I thought was really interesting, um, it looks like Salt Lake City is looking to uh, alleviate some congestion in the canyons. Specifically, what they're looking at is Little Cottonwood Canyon, and the way they're going to do this is by creating a gondola system. I don't, and, and I, don't, I don't think this is like totally in the works yet. It's something that they're just kind of like working out and trying to figure out the logistics of. But they're thinking about creating a gondola system that starts at the mouth of the canyon and travels through the canyon and has stops at Snowbird and Alta Ski Resorts. And I think the idea is at the base of the gondola, there's going to be a parking garage, which is paid. And then nearby, there's going to be an off-site parking lot that is free with bus, bus service to the gondola base. Um and it was kind of interesting. I, I saw this on a news, uh, a news site. I think it was KUTV, but then uh, it got posted around on Reddit. And I was kind of reading into some of the reactions that uh, local citizens were having. Um, but I want to get your reaction, Dan. What do you think about having a gondola that goes up the canyon? I don't really see many negatives. I'm sure that given the fact that you were reading on Reddit, you'll be able to cite a few <laughs> negatives that are just like above my head. But of I course, mean, like yeah. if it if it alleviates some of the traffic issues, that means that it's going to alleviate some car accident issues. It's going to alleviate emissions mm-hmm. issues. So I just don't really see too many um, issues mm-hmm. with it. Um, yeah. Bit of an aside, like when I, I was, it was KUTV because I saw the same thing that you were talking about, and in uh-huh. that they had a clip from like a European gondola, um, and. I don't know how long it's going to take until I like don't have COVID brain, but like I saw all these people <laughs> piling out of this gondola and I just like got sick for a second. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, I don't really see, I don't really see too many downsides to it. What about you? Yeah, I, well, so I started to think about like my, my personal experience and how would I, how would I use this thing? And so I'm not a skier or a snowboarder. I don't, most years I don't get up the mountain to ski or snowboard. So it's not really a big deal with me for that. But I was thinking about like the summertime when I am in the canyons and uh, that's, that's where I spend most of my canyon time is in the summer, either camping or hiking or just driving up and messing around. But uh, also Oktoberfest too, up at snowboard. Yeah. I started to think maybe that would be really cool for Oktoberfest, you know? I think it would help. That gets pretty crowded yeah, up and down and the it, canyon. It would get drinkers that. off the road too, which would be nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
at some point though, like someone's going to drink one too many gallons of pumpkin beer and they're going to throw up in the gondola. <laughs> and that's going to like, if, if Oktoberfest is on the table, I've seen a lot of people throw up at Oktoberfest. Yeah. <laughs> and if, so they're going to have to have uh, those windows, yeah. like let's make sure the windows are able to open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Including close acquaintances of ours we've seen throw up at a Yeah, we won't <laughs> name any names, but Yeah, you know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> um but yeah, I was I was like, you know, in the summertime that actually might be cool. Um some of the concerns that I was reading on on the uh negativity sphere that is Reddit. Um so one of the concerns was that the gondola system might ruin the beauty of the canyon, you know, if you have if you're looking down the canyon and you just see wires and posts and carts going up and down the canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I guess it's it's all subjective. Like, I guess that's a valid mm-hmm. concern if someone's worried about that. I think that, like, gondolas and mountains are so synonymous with one another. Like, I almost think that it adds to the beauty. Like, they're such a picturesque kind of item. Yeah. I think that they really do look good. Like... If you get like a, a like a framed print of of any number of national parks with a mountain in it, like a gondola is usually on there because it's a pretty thing to mm-hmm. include. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that though. And from my point of view, I think that it would be it would almost add to the beauty of the canyon in a different way. Like mm-hmm. if you're looking from the yeah, ground, yeah. that's one thing. But if you're on the gondola, like you're gonna get a a perspective of the canyon that you've never seen before. And I think that that I agree. That's a that's a fun thing that you could do. I agree, and yeah, when you watch, when you see like those, like if you follow any of those like uh, natural beauty Instagrams or like anything like that, mm-hmm. or the travel Instagrams, like when you're looking at videos and pictures of like the Swiss Alps, it's always like from a gondola, or you can like see like a gondola in the background or something like that. And yeah. uh, um, I mean, you know, places like you know the Teton Village. If you've ever been up to the Tetons, they got gondolas that go up up and down and um that actually you know in the summertime might help tourism quite a bit and uh i can i can kind of see this as like a if they end up going through with it as like an experiment for every other canyon up the wasatch front yeah because um comes winter every single one of those canyons gets clogged up and even in the summertime like if you go to oktoberfest and you leave when it's like closing down that road gets pretty hectic yeah and, and then you throw tons of beer into the mix and it gets kind of dangerous 100 percent. and i mean like you just said with the whole wasatch front thing like we we talked last week about um the ogden canyon and how that's always under construction and that's similar to to little cottonwood it's a one lane road each way and so like there's not a lot of room for error there so like a gondola in in the ogden canyon would be really nice too yeah gondolas up the canyon i'm for it let's do it all right. Another thing that I uh, ran into in the news this week uh, was a survey, or I guess it was a study that was done by uh, the North American Moving Services. And so they do a report every year called the U.S. Migration Report. And this kind of tracks the moving patterns of U.S. citizens across state lines and stuff like that. Um, so what they found in this uh, U.S. Migration Report is that generally people are moving away from the coast. Like California is the biggest outbound moving state along with Illinois and New York. So I think it goes California, Illinois, New York. Um, And the highest inbound states are all kind of these like Western states, uh, like Idaho, Arizona, Texas, and Colorado are all at the top of the list for inbound moves. Um, Now, Utah uh, 
I, I read in this article that Utah, since about 2011 or 2012, um, has always had a higher inbound than outbound. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always been more people moving into Utah than out of Utah. But honestly, like just from from my perspective as a Utah, I feel like there's been a ton of people moving into the state. Yep. And I was actually kind of surprised to see that Utah wasn't on this list for like high inbound moves. And that states like Idaho, I mean, I don't want to start taking cracks at Idaho, like nothing against them, but like it got, I, I kind of was like, you know, what's wrong with Utah? Why are more people moving to Utah? Even though I don't necessarily want it. I was like, what is it? What is it that, you, that Idaho has that Utah doesn't have? Um, way more potatoes. Way more potatoes. You know, they got higher alcohol yeah. content. Um, yeah. And I guess a lower cost of living. But I do kind of take issue with this entire uh, premise, not of what you're uh-huh. saying, but of what they released. It's the not report. even necessarily that like they have the most people moving there. It's that the people moving there outweigh the people leaving there. So yeah, I was look because I once I saw this, I was like, this can't be true that Idaho is like got the number one they're the number one most moved to place like and it's not it's just that more people move there than leave there um Mm -hmm. like for example utah's population in the past four years has grown double what idaho's population has grown in the past four years um Mm. a lot of that i'm sure is babies but they have babies in idaho (laughs) too so yeah i'm not sure but in terms of what idaho does have i mean that lower cost of living is is appealing i jokingly mentioned that to my girlfriend when we were talking about moving like well we could probably uh-huh. just buy a house in idaho if we want but yeah, that's true that's not something we can really do here um i yeah and i was kind of thinking about that and that actually is a good point that you made that the statistics that they're using in the way that they're choosing to frame the statistics might not paint the entire picture um but it did I, as i was reading it, i was like is is there something about utah's reputation or something that are that's keeping people or keeping us from making making this this list because when you look at the map, they mm-hmm. had all the 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 high inbound move states highlighted, and it was like Idaho, Colorado, Arizona, or yeah Arizona, and so like kind of in this Western United States, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico were the ones that were kind of off the list. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I was like, Utah's awesome. Why are, why are not why are more people not moving to Utah? So I'm wondering if that like kind of plays into it if people who are moving from California when they look at like states in the West, if Utah like already puts a bad taste in their mouth, just from the reputation, you know, just like the religious reputation or religion, hyper conservatism, especially from Mm -hmm. the cities that are kind of having a lot of outbound moves, which is like more liberal cities, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely possible. Um, if anybody, I would, I would imagine that if people are uprooting their lives, they're doing some Googling, mm-hmm. though. And, I mean, if you do a Google search yeah. <laughs> about Idaho specifically, you're going to find quite a bit of Mormon. I think they're number two in, in the nation in terms of Mormon population. Yeah. And yeah. I know they've got quite the reputation for, like, militias and uh, right-wing activism and all of that. So, <laughs> yeah. so I don't really yeah. know, honestly. It is, it is fascinating. Um, they have a lot of natural beauty up there that I think is pretty well hidden away. Like we always yeah. talk about Utah and, and how beautiful Utah is a state. And I think that that is such a more kind of populous opinion. And yeah, Idaho has such beautiful nature as well. So I'm yeah, not, yeah. you know, 
maybe that's the reason, but who knows? They're kind of like right on that 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 like boundary of Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. There's that area of the the western United States that covers Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. And it, I almost feel like a, like that that area is so insanely beautiful and crazy that like when they formed the states, they were like, okay, we got to split this evenly between people, <laughs> you know. And Idaho kind of got the crappy end of that that bargain. They did. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, there's I, I my my mom actually lived up in Idaho, in uh, this just tiny town, like less than a thousand people in the entire town, and it was in the middle of the mountains, um, and it's insanely beautiful there. And um, and yeah, kind of kind of slept on Idaho. A lot of forests and um, like especially when you get up into like the Panhandle area, there's just like these crazy cool beautiful small towns and stuff like that. But that's also where we saw like some of the uh what you were talking about like kind of the militia stuff. Yeah. There was that uh Northern Idaho internet company that blocked Twitter um and Facebook and all those social media uh, uh platforms from their from their service so people that bought internet through them couldn't access those and they sent out like a letter to their customers and they're like we're, you know we stand for free speech and stuff like that <laughs> we, so, we, fan, you know. we, we stand for free speech so we're going to limit the places you can express yourselves <laughs> yeah exactly and uh just to as, as another thought that came up from reading this report if you were somehow exiled from utah what, what state would you move to what 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 state um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be in the in the Western United States. Is there a state that you would move to aside from Utah? If it's okay, I have like three possibilities that I'm constantly churning in my head. There was a there was a brief period of time where I wanted to move to Colorado. Um, I mm-hmm. think that especially in a time of if I was actually being exiled, I would imagine I wouldn't be able to return. So like yeah. Colorado, it allows my friends and family to come see me with relative ease. Um, yeah. yeah. It's got a lot of the same things that I love about Utah. So it's got the Mm -hmm. mountains. It's got that sort of great nature and kind of a really eclectic um, kind of offering of nature. You know, you got desert, you got your mountains and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also New Mexico. I lived in New Mexico as a kid. And I don't know why, but but for like the last for the last like year, I've really been romanticizing Santa Fe and I don't know if it's because uh-huh. of the newsies or whatever, but like, I just, <laughs> I just, I just really would love to go to Santa Fe, like on vacation. That's like one of the top vacation destinations for me yeah. right now. Once COVID's up, I'm like, let's go. Cause I want to see some yeah. hot air balloon festival. I want to put some green uh-huh. chili on everything I eat. Um, yeah. There's like this thing. There's like this reputation in Santa Fe too, about like, uh, like wellness Mm-hmm. And I guess some of that is like spiritual and stuff, but there's like this kind of community of like, so like if you're going to, if you're going to take a vacation to like sit in a spa for a week, like New Mexico is a pretty good spot to check out. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great, um, I mean, when I, I lived in Albuquerque when I lived there, so it was like an hour away. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I ever stepped foot in Santa Fe. I'm sure I did at some point, but, but I don't yeah. really remember, um, but we we would always kind of visit these like Native American festivals. I believe the tribe was Navajo, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, so don't quote me on it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just always had a really I had a really good time when I lived there. Yeah, you, you get a snow day if you get an inch of snow on the ground. That's cool. I mean, I'm not in school anymore, but that's <laughs> cool. Uh, and then I lastly, like... sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say snow days. I feel like after everything goes back to normal, snow days won't have the same kind of punch that they used to have where it's like, you know, 
you uh, you get a day off and you're like, big deal. I took like an entire year off of school. <laughs> true. That's very true. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, uh, I would love to move to like Massachusetts or somewhere in the uh, in New England area just because of my uh, yeah love for history. I just every time I've been to to Boston specifically, I just just have such a great time. That would be where I would live, especially if money wasn't a concern. Yeah, love an old building. I love an old building. Love a, love a cobblestone street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always wanted to like live in a non commuter city too. Mm-hmm. Is that am I, am I using that correctly, or is it? Well, it's like a car, like a non-driving city. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, like a non-driving. Yeah, 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 not non-driving because every everywhere in Utah is so spread out that living without a car is like nearly impossible it's unless your difficult. entire life is in, is downtown. Um, so I've always like, I've I've always uh, been attracted to the idea of living in a city where you could just walk around. Um, all right. Well, we are uh, just about to uh, turn it over to our interview with Jay Warren Hold and. On. Uh, I want to know where you would live. Oh, oh, that's right. I didn't even talk about that. So Colorado, Colorado was on there on my list of uh, places that I would move to. Because again, it's just like the easiest transition from Utah. You have the mountains. Although once you hit Denver, after that, it's like flat for half a country, you know? Yeah. Um, So Denver is about as far as I would go. And and maybe I would, I would, uh, you know, settled down somewhere in the middle of Colorado, not quite Denver. I actually spent, uh, I went on like a vacation to Grand Junction, which is probably the first time anyone's used that sentence. But um, uh, we like, me and my partner were just like looking for an Airbnb one weekend. We were just like, I, like, let's find the cheapest Airbnb we can find just out of the state. And it was Grand Junction. And so we went to Grand Junction and got an Airbnb, which was awesome. And it was right next to their kind of like Main Street area. And it felt like every, we were only there for a few days, but it felt like every day there was something going on. And it was like just a cool little hippie town. There's a lot of cool little towns like that in uh, Colorado. Um, and I think other than Colorado, the only one that really sticks out is Montana. I really, really love Montana. I've talked about Butte, Montana before on this podcast mm-hmm. um, and how much I love that place. Um, but aside from Butte and just like the weird city that that, that place is, like, it's just a lot of the same stuff that you get in Utah. Really, really beautiful scenery. You got some national parks, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I was close to putting Montana on my list as well. But then I thought about yeah. how cold it would be, so I decided against yeah. it. And I and I and aside from like the western United States, I don't know, man. I haven't had enough experience on the East Coast to like say for sure if I would dig living in any of those towns uh or cities. But uh I would try I would try kind of a Bunched up, at least for a couple of years, a, a, a nice, tight, walkable city. It's really nice. moist on the East Coast. That's like the one thing that's like really rough. Like it was 80 degrees mm-hmm. when I was in Boston last, and it le- it legitimately felt hotter than I've ever been, honestly. So who knows? Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're going to, uh, just before we move into our interview with Jay Warren, uh, the reason why we wanted to talk to him is because we wanted to discuss the uh, local music scene in Utah. And I actually put it out on our Instagram uh, at Holy Hive, Utah, uh, asking listeners if they were eager to return to live shows. And we had a reply from uh, a follower named Susanna who uh, said something that I found kind of relatable. Uh, she responded with, yes, she's excited uh, for live shows. And that previously, before the pandemic, that uh, she had taken live shows for granted. And that's something that actually resonated with me a lot uh, when she said that. I feel like I had a lot of excuses before the pandemic for not going out 
even just to like a little small show, even though every time I go to one, I like have a great time. And, um, now just going into the next year, I'm just dying for more live shows, like something to do every weekend. I'm dying for a crowd. Do you feel like you take, took, took live shows for granted? Like, especially like local shows and stuff like that. Absolutely. I took, uh, whole acts for granted, you know, like I would be like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm ready for the next act. Let's move on so I can get home, you know? Um, yeah. And I feel like that's the type of thing, like I'm never going to look at my watch when I'm out in public again, if I'm, when, when we get back to that, like, it's going to be, it's just going to be really nice to, I mean, and like you're saying, like, just like even like a small local show, just something where you can, I don't know, feel it a little bit, you know? Cause right now it's like, I can put headphones on, I can watch a video, I can do whatever, but like, there's mm-hmm. a real tangible effect that live music has on on you and your body that mm-hmm. that has totally been missing for like a year now. So Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's and it's and it's and it's weird to think that we've just like completely been without that this entire time. And yeah, it is one of those things that like we we take for granted. We 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 uh find out there's a show any given night and then we're at home and we're nice and cozy and um we're just like eh. I got I got a few beers in the fridge, some good stuff on TV. I can you know I could probably not go to a show tonight, but now I'm just like get me out of my house. I want to hear some live music. I don't care if the band's bad. I want to have the experience of going to a venue, seeing a shitty band, and then being like, yeah, they were shitty, but I had fun. You know. Yeah. So I'm just Absolutely. like I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying to get back. All right, so we're gonna go now to our interview with Jay Warren. Dan, we'll see you on the other side. See ya. I'm thrilled to be joined today by an old friend, local crooner, R&B chart-topping artist, the sweet and singular Jay Warren. Jay, how's it going, man? Dude, I am wonderful. Glad to be here. The Holy Hive feels great. You yeah. Know? How are you holding up in the uh, pandemic? Dude, man. Dude. The Panasonic sucks, dude. I mean, I haven't, haven't <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird because... So we had a kid in February of uh-huh. 2020 and um, like we were kind of, you know, when you have like a new baby, you kind of stay inside for a little bit anyway, because the immune system isn't yeah, very yeah. strong. Or whatever. Kind of tied down. Um, yeah. So we were like kind of anticipating that, but then like once it like really shut down, it was like, oh, this is grim. This is, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it got, it got grim really fast. Um and like, you know, there've been like spurts of, of highlights here and there, but um, I mean, all in all, I'm alive. Everybody in our house is healthy and that's really all we can ask yeah, for. Yeah, it feels like we're on the back end of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like with the to... vaccine coming yeah. coming through, it's like, all right, cool. Like, let's, let's move this thing along and get back to life. Absolutely. So I wanted to start off with a little background for our listeners. Um, uh, first, I want to start off with uh, your your relationship to performing specifically. Where did that start? Not even necessarily music, but just performing. Yeah, so performing for me started when I was really little. Uh, my mom is my mom's a dancer, and mm-hmm. she went to like performing arts high school in New York. And my grandpa is or was he since passed away um, an actor. He was in uh, Live and Let Die, a small oh, wow. role, but. Yeah, he um, yeah he went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. Um, so yeah, my family's always been like involved in the arts. My mm-hmm. sister full ride um, to for college for dance, and 
yeah so anyway all that to say everyone in my family has kind of always been involved in performing yeah. and whatnot and so i remember my first um like my first what, what would you call that like self-realization or self-actualization of yeah yeah um like oh i can sing like and mm -hmm. people like it was in second grade and we were doing you know those little shows that like not like a talent show but just like a school show where like the kids just sing some songs for the parents basically yeah i think i think um, when i was in school it was yellow submarine yellow submarine oh wonderful <laughs> yeah. good choice yeah fantastic yeah. <laughs> ours was um this little light of mine or you are my sunshine wait oh, yeah. that's the song you are my sunshine my own. no no no. yeah that one you yeah. are my sunshine yeah and um and I was just kind of like singing off to the side, like by myself. And Miss Simpson, the teacher, was like, mm -hmm. hey, you can sing. You have a really nice voice. You should sing a solo. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing this. So, yeah, it started then. It started like for me, at least being aware of it, second grade. And then it's kind of been part of it since then. Right on. And uh, yep. so, obviously, like besides your family, who it seems like – you know the Warren Troopers. It's just like a bunch of uh, performers. Other than them, who, who are your who are your biggest perf uh, uh, influences growing up? So growing up, um, that's that's a fun question for me because so both my parents are from the Caribbean. My mom is from Trinidad and Tobago. My dad mm -hmm. is from Jamaica, and so I'm the first one born in the states. And so growing up, it was always like reggae, calypso, dance hall, um, yeah, soca, like it not american music uh -huh. and so growing up the only two american artists that i knew until middle school were michael jackson oh there are three michael jackson whitney houston and kenny g those were the three artists that i knew <laughs> from america <laughs> kenny g is kind of the outlier there i mean <laughs> absolutely like, i love it <laughs> yeah complete outlier but like i just i have this distinct memory of his cd and like everything else was like dark and black around him and then he just had like these the the curly hair yeah yeah just there with the saxophone and i was like uh-huh i know yeah those Dude. three so yeah that, that was it that was it that my, my dad i think had that same kenny g album i remember two cds just floating around our house and it was that kenny g album and uh uh the stranger by billy joel where he's oh, like i don't know if you ever where he's like sitting on the mattress and there's the mask there yeah i i, I think <laughs> i think digital music we've lost the album art we've lost the effect of the album art you know just float Ooh, having yeah. having cds floating around your house like that absolutely like it started to come back a little bit with um with vinyl and whatnot mm -hmm. but yeah absolutely like just having those images like ingrained in your memory isn't so uh -huh. much there um anymore especially now that like I don't know. Do you use Spotify or Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. Okay, so like yeah. Spotify has now those canvases, like those little like video things that you can watch. Oh, that's while right. Yeah, yeah. When you're like playing, you pull up a song and it'll like yeah. Yeah, and so so on Spotify they call those canvases. Canvases. Uh -huh. um, so even the album art there isn't a thing really anymore. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of kind of fading. Yeah, kind of crazy how that's evolved. Um, so besides like, so, so like was being a vocalist always your jumping off point or was there an instrument that you gravitated towards at a young age? So, yeah, I was always, I was always a singer. That was mm -hmm. always what I did. Um, I was in like school choirs, church choirs. Um, and then I didn't start playing any instruments until middle school. 
um, oh, that's not true. In fourth grade, uh-huh. I took violin because the girl I had a crush on, Katie, um, yeah, was like was taking violin, and I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna learn to take to play the violin so I could be in Katie's class. And uh-huh. then she moved to Michigan at the end of the year. So I was like, all right, well, I'm done with this. <laughs> what am I doing with yeah. this stupid violin lugging this around all day? Yeah. I was like, what did I, I knew I should have rented this. Dang it. Yeah. So, um, no, but really in yeah sixth grade, I started playing the trombone and I played that mm-hmm. sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Uh, and then my senior year of high school, I taught myself to play the piano. Right on. Now, yeah. And do you, do you still, you still play the piano, right? Yeah, still play the piano. That's what I write on primarily. Um, I don't play the trombone anymore. Like I know how and <laughs> yeah. make noise with uh-huh. it, but no, I'm not a trombone player. So can you point to a moment in your life where you decided that like, this is it, I'm going to pursue music full time? Ooh, full time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you're actually a part of this story. What? <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah. Oh, really? So when... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we worked together, um, we had a conversation about like leaving school and pursuing music. I don't know if you remember this. I I definitely remember it. But we had this conversation about um, like leaving school and how there was really nothing for me in school and everything that I wanted to do with my career and goal was not in school. Um, and so after that conversation, that was the last semester that I went to school. I was like, all right, Jordan said to leave oh, school. You know so what? Leaving. Now I do remember this. Now that you said that you're just leaving school. Yeah. I do remember this. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right um, so, so there was that. And then a few years later, so 2017, that summer is when I went full time with music. Um, so yeah, summer of 2017 was when I took mm-hmm. like the big dive and went mm-hmm. full time. Right on. Yeah. So yeah. I was, I was doing some prep for this and I, and I, I read your interview with the Salt Lake Trib and uh, in mm-hmm. that interview, you mentioned something about visualizing your songs as short films and how that helps you through the writing process. I just wanted to know if you always take like the conceptual approach to writing music, is there always some kind of theme or story that you're trying to put behind it? Um, I mean, with every song, yes, it isn't always like 100% of the time this like short film that I can kind of like see in my head. That isn't always the case. Um, But but yeah, with the music, I'm definitely always trying to tell like a a specific story within within each song. Um, Yeah, definitely. Any any like uh, ambition to like do a whole concept album where the entire album tells one story? Yeah, absolutely. So I have this idea to, and I, I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I have the, I've like in my notebook, I have written down what each song, kind of what section of my life each song would be. But I want to tell the story of like meeting my wife to marrying my wife. All so right like, on. Meeting her, being in the friend zone, dating her, <laughs> like all of that, and then getting engaged and then getting married. Um, and now we've got two kids and maybe I'll slap that on the end. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the next album is parenthood. Oh know. my gosh. Man. That's I like, I don't know what genre album. that would take form in <laughs> that metal. It would be metal, metal. just a metal album. Yeah. 
<laughs> it would just be straight metal. Yeah. Drop D everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the Jay Warren metal album. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you take any kind of like inspiration from like, let's say different mediums besides music, like books or film or TV or anything like that? Yeah. So um, the first one that comes to mind is definitely television. Um, my wife and I watch a lot of reality television. Yeah. So like you can, you'd be amazed at like the quotes that can be amazing songs from reality television, like oh, especially shows like The Bachelor, yeah. like just the things that people say. It's like if you take them wow. out of context, it's just like that's a brilliant song title. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like the really like The Bachelor. Any like love <laughs> reality television show, yeah, you can get some some brilliant inspiration from, or just like not even necessarily the quotes that they say, but mm -hmm. just the storyline of their time on the show uh -huh. can be very interesting. And yeah, you can just write a song about that. And yeah. Yeah. The, the, the reality show that I've been kind of diving into, cause I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but I, I've, I've run out mm -hmm. of shows in, in quarantine to watch. So I've just been like diving deep on Weird. things and yeah. 90 day fiance <laughs> was the one that I kind of got hooked on for a while, but that is like, it's like a, it's like I call it trash television. It's like a it's like a dumpster fire that you can't look away from. Oh my and, gosh, dude! It is pure comedy. That show yeah. is pure comedy. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it's like, how is this happening? I where was the? I think it's in like the early seasons of that show. There was, I think he was from Utah. He was definitely LDS, but he was from Utah. I, I think he was from Utah, um, and he was going to. I want to say the Philippines. I think he had served a mission in the Philippines and then like was uh -huh. going back. Um, and I was like, this guy could be in my ward. I don't know. This is <laughs> somebody I know. And was, yeah. That, that uh, is one of the things that I just, not to, not to go off too much of a tangent, but that was one of the things I discovered watching that show is like, this happens a lot more than you would think, I guess. Like people traveling across countries just to like, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of set up. But it's not like, oh, I'm gonna go date in Vietnam. It's like, no, yeah, I've, no. I've got a set, I've got something set up in Vietnam already. I I know a guy personally. He not he wasn't on the show. He's not the reality TV type. Yeah. Um, but know a guy personally who just started talking to this girl in the Philippines, and then like a month later, flew out there, got engaged, and then I think they're. I can't remember if like I, they got married there or if like he had to come back and you know whatever the whole 90 day thing is but like I know uh, a guy that's gone through this exact thing and dang. it's crazy like I mean, when I saw it I was like what in the world but hey good for you love wins yeah they're happy man I mean who am I to judge yeah All yeah right, uh back onto the music so uh oh that's right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah um one day we'll, we'll start our uh, 90 day fiance uh, recap podcast, but for now we'll stick to music. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, so on the production side, we're kind of seeing a lot of artists uh, ditching the like formal studio setting, you know, for like a basement mm -hmm. DIY setup. Is there one of those like approaches that you favor and like how much of a role do you take in the final mix of your music? Sure. So from start to finish, my, writing process looks like it starts here in the in, here, I'll like flip you around so it starts in just the home okay. studio setup 
Yeah. Um, that's where everything starts. And there's, if I were to move this chair, there's like a little keyboard down there. I don't know if you can see that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so that's where my process starts. Um, and I have the, the setup here where I can write, I can record vocals, um, not final vocals, but I can record vocals mm -hmm. um, that I'd like to record demos with. Yeah. Um, and then, and then from here, I'll send off a song to a producer. Um, obviously during the pandemic, things were done a whole lot more remote than normal, but even without the pandemic, typically I'll send a song off to a producer. Um, there's like three, three or four that I work with, um, for the most part. And then they'll take the song, kind of fill out the rest of it. And then we'll get back together to record vocals in an actual studio. Um, okay. So the album Give Low, we recorded at Solarium Studios in uh, Alpine or Highland, whatever. Those two towns are the same thing to me. But, <laughs> yeah, um, me too. <laughs> yeah, down there. Point of the mountain. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we recorded, we recorded the album there. And, um, but the final mix, <laughs> that was a very roundabout way to get to your answer yeah. the final mix though really i'm i'm involved once once the production is done and vocals are done and then who's ever mixing and mastering then it's just a whole bunch of emails back and forth of like yeah all right here listen to this mix and i'll pick out things that mm -hmm. i pay most attention to like the vocals and, mm -hmm. and making sure that those are right and then nate who executive produced this album pays most mm -hmm. attention to the production and the sound elements and making sure that all that is working. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely involved. Nate's ear is a lot more tuned to that kind of thing. There comes to a point where I'm like, all right, I can't hear the difference anymore, but you guys can. So I'll let you guys figure this out. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely involved. Right on. And so like kind of uh, on that DIY subject, I'm seeing also these kind of shifts and I don't know how much this has been uh, pressured by the pandemic, but it seems like a lot of artists are kind of owning their own music these days and ditching the label road. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get your kind of opinion on that whole thing on, on what, what options you think are still viable for independent artists. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's, there's never been a better time to be a musician or mm -hmm. an independent artist because technology, like they're, there are so many options now and there's so many different ways to get a project funded. Um, that being said, I think the best way is whatever, whatever is going to help you get to your goals. Mm -hmm. So I'm of the very strong opinion that like artists need to be goal oriented. Like you mm -hmm. have to have an endpoint in sight yeah. and then work backwards and figure out, okay, well, what's it going to take to get there? And so I, I would say like the number one indicator of if you're going to stay independent or sign to a label or sign a distribution deal or a production deal or whatever, I think it's really dependent on whatever your revenue goals are. Like yeah. if you want to be touring the world and be Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, um, you're going to need to sign to a major label. Like yeah. it just... But they have the resources, the connections. Absolutely. Yeah. It, just, it does not happen for independent artists like that to be selling out arenas on different mm -hmm. continents. Yeah. Um, if, if you would like to be, you know, if you want to be making 
like six figures a year, you can absolutely stay independent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can, you can absolutely stay independent. And I mean, actually, I mean, you can still make like, I, mean, I guess you could gross a few million independent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're, you're not going to necessarily be like on the billboard top 100. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Well, that's not even true. You're not going to stay <laughs> on the Billboard Top 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah. have, a, have a constant digital. presence there. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's just the way the way the game is set up. Um, it's a business, but it's also a game. And the way that it's set up is just it's not. Um, it, just those things aren't available to artists that are independent. So, yeah. but yeah, in terms of like making a living and buying a home and. You know, having a car, house with two car garage, mm-hmm. da, 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 like you can absolutely do that as an independent musician. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just want to be stratosphere, though, it's major labels. Really, the sure. only way to get there. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because you seem like you're very, very goal and business oriented, and mm-hmm. and it seems like if you're not promoting something of your own, if you're not, you know cooking up some content, whether it's like a cover that you're doing or something, you're collaborating with other people. And I just wanted to know, is that something that you're actively pursuing uh, between your own work? Are you trying to find people to collaborate with? I know that you've, who, who's, who's it? The, uh, it's like a trio of dudes who are like vocalists down in. You, oh, Gentry. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like mm-hmm. those guys, you've done work with uh, Gladys Knight so are those mm-hmm. are those opportunities that you're always seeking? Are you trying to expand that way? Yeah, absolutely. So it's especially because of technology mm-hmm. um, every, and everything being so algorithmic, it it behooves an artist to work with other artists because yeah. it's it's I, I kind of see it as twofold. Like one, just building relationships in general, like and just having friends in your career. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's people that you can bounce ideas off of or, you know, ask them how they're doing things and whatnot, um, just because you've worked together in the past. But then as well, on the more business side of it, it is <clears throat> if if I am working on something and someone else is also working on it <clears throat> and we release it, well, now all of my people are going to see it and all of their people are going to see it. And there's yeah, going to yeah. be some crossover. I'll get some new fans. They'll get some new fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard especially when it comes to Spotify and how that algorithm works. Uh-huh. Like very rarely now do you see artists releasing albums, at least like major label artists for sure, releasing albums that don't have features on it Yeah, because it's a part of the game. It's this part of the Spotify algorithm game. And that mm-hmm. if Bruno Mars, Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake are on the same song, so many eyes or ears rather are going to hear that song as opposed to just Oh, no, it wasn't Justin Timberlake. It was Ed Sheeran, Chris Stapleton, and Bruno yeah. Mars, um, as opposed to just Ed Sheeran releasing that song. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something I'm always, like, actively looking for. And um, But at the same time, yeah, stuff just comes in where it's, like, Gladys Knight was not something I was looking for. That uh-huh. just came in, and that was, like, very lucky and some of the coolest experiences of my musical life. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for that. Right on. And, yeah, so, like, last year... You hit number one on iTunes R&B. Not an easy feat. Yeah. And it was funny because it wasn't like, oh, Jay released his album and, and, it, and it hit. Like, you set a goal. And you were like, this is going to happen. Yeah. 
And, um, and so from a promo- promotional standpoint, like I knew you had the goal, I knew you were putting it out there and you were, and you were driving towards that. Um, but do you, do you have people, at least on the marketing and promotion side, people that you collaborate with on promotional efforts, or is this something that you're just bootstrapping yourself? Yeah. So <clears throat> I have, I have a very, very small team. Um, there's me, my manager and my lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. and that's it. So in terms of the marketing campaign for that, it was, I had set the goal and I was like, if we're going to release an album, like it needs to be significant. Like we have to actually do something with it as opposed yeah. to just releasing it and kind of hoping people listen to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, it was like, all right, if we're going to do this album, it needs to do something significant. And mm-hmm. I picked that as the goal because it was, it was a large enough goal that like people would write about it and there would be buzz and yeah. um, press about it. But it was also, it was realistic enough where I was like, okay, I think I can do this based on kind of the numbers and the research that I've looked into. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, all of that to say, it's once I came up with the goal, it's just me and my manager who are, we just, again, we work backwards and we're like, all right, well, if the album's coming out in September, we know we need a pre-order campaign. Let's try to launch that by this date and then do this many social media posts and let's start working on getting press outside of our own. And so we had this whole campaign where we reached out to a ton of different uh, like demographic groups in Utah. Um, mm. And we worked with like the dance community at Millennium Dance Center. We put out some yeah. content with them. We worked with uh, Albion Fit, like a fitness company, Lime mm-hmm. Ricky, a, um, women's swimsuit company. Um, mm-hmm. We worked with, what was it? Um, oh my gosh. What is the, oh, Silicon Slopes. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, Clint Betts, who is mm-hmm. the founder of Silicon Slopes, has a podcast. So I was like, all right, let's get on there. Yeah. Um, and basically, we just figured out all the different demographic groups we had access to and tried to put the album in front of them and say, mm-hmm. hey, someone from Utah is trying to do this. Um, and it worked. So, yeah. Right on. That's awesome. And it seems like yeah. uh, not everyone kind of pays attention to that business side of things where you know, you're, you're trying to get the biggest presence you can possible, especially when you're on a, like a, a local level. I think the, mm-hmm. the kind of trap that a lot of local artists get uh, put into is they play the same venues over and over mm-hmm. again. And they kind of, they kind of water down their presence, you know, and then they just become a staple of a specific scene instead of trying to push out of it and, and, and find new things. So that was one of the reasons why I was, I really wanted to talk to you because you seem like you're very business and, and, and goal oriented in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like there are different there. What's the saying? Like there are many roads to the mountaintop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the like performing in a city, every month kind of thing like that kind of grind is is a way to get there um however i think the most efficient way a is using the internet but then also when it comes to like live performances really only performing in your city like twice a year because Mm -hmm. if it is every every four weeks like yeah people aren't gonna come Mm because i mean do you have 
a full 60 minute new show every yeah, yeah. four weeks i yeah. doubt that um yeah so anyway yeah i i definitely focus a lot on the business side sometimes too much and then i <laughs> actually like with this album we i was like so concerned with this thing hitting number one yeah. um nate the producer texted me he's like so are we gonna record vocals to the last song or or not <laughs> i was like oh my gosh we haven't even yeah. recorded vocals to the last song <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I, I all that to say, I pay attention to it a lot because I think that's the part that so many musicians miss. So uh, speaking of just like the local scene, what has Utah's specific music scene been like for you since you started pursuing music full time? Yeah, Utah Utah's cool. Um, it's interesting because, well, one, Utah, oh, well, okay, before... <laughs> Um, maybe like a year or two ago, I would say that there were like two Utah music scenes. There's mm -hmm. Salt Lake and then there's Provo. Yeah. Um, and there, I don't, I don't know why there are two different ones, but like, yeah, they're just, yeah. they're just different. There's Salt yeah. Lake and Provo. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I think that because of the pandemic, especially there, there's almost become like Provo, Salt Lake. And then just the internet now. Yeah. Like, especially with the kids that like just graduated high school and are kind of starting to get into music and whatnot. Like they, they grew up with the internet and they, they don't, oh, whoops. Um, they don't go to guitar center and buy a guitar, learn to play the guitar, start a punk rock band and play mm -hmm. gigs. That's not yeah, what yeah. they do. They have a laptop, they download GarageBand, Logic, yeah. whatever um learn to make hip-hop beats and then put them out on tiktok and uh -huh. that's their scene yeah um so yeah i i previously i would say that you know i've i've had a really good experience in utah because doing r&b there's not a ton of people doing that and so i've always been able to kind of stick out in, in that regard yeah, yeah. um and, and there's tons of people to work with and it's not so competitive out here that it's just like you know dog eat dog and people are um, you know, cutting other people off at their ankles. But um, yeah, I think that really the only thing Utah lacks is the business infrastructure of the music industry. There's yes. tons of talent, tons of singers, songwriters, mm -hmm. producers, instrumentalists, um, but managers, labels, um, agents, um, lawyers, like that side of it, funding is yeah. isn't necessarily out here and so i i don't i don't know what it'll take for that to happen or if that will ever happen um but yeah i, I think it's a great place to make music yeah and i i agree i think that, that there is this infrastructure that's missing or this this industry that's missing specifically with music and i don't think it needs to necessarily be what another city is doing it can be different. They can we can manage it differently. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. state by state, you have different laws. So whatever's going on, you know, on on, on paper, you can you know figure out how to do it here. But right. um, speaking to that, I wanted to know, like, is there anything just from your perspective that local venues or the local media or even audience members could be doing to uh, better support local music? 
Ooh, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. Um, okay, so I'll take that in three parts. Um, local, you said media, fans, and who else? Venues. Venues, okay. Um, venues, I, I haven't worked with a ton of venues because, again, I, I really try to play here kind of rarely. Um, mm-hmm. But what... What I would say is that, and maybe this is already happening, I, I don't know, but <clears throat> as acts, as larger acts are coming through, I mean, not Vivint Smart Home Arena, but, yeah. you know, perhaps smaller than that, um, yeah. as larger acts coming through, um, just keeping an ear to the ground on up-and-coming local artists who would make sense on that show. Um, I know a lot, a lot of acts come through like with their own openers and whatnot, but yeah, I think just the venues knowing who is doing well, um, is, is super helpful and kind of maintaining a presence of, Hey, our doors are open. Come and talk to us. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of musicians feel like, Oh, I can't go and talk to the venue owner or I can't go talk to the booker. Like, yeah, uh, I'm not, um, but yeah, I think, you know, if venues kind of have that attitude of, hey, come talk to us, like, you know, let's figure out how to make something cool happen. Um, I think that's super helpful for people. Um, yeah. The media, I would I would say covering it more, like outside yeah. of the media that is dedicated to the arts. Um, I don't really see much about yeah. about music um, in, in Utah. Like it took it took so many DMS for me and my team to figure out how to get on like Salt Lake Tribune, KSL or what, like whatever the, like the news um, interviews that we did. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. It just, it just seemed like, why is it so difficult to get a hold of these people? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know kind of, you know, what metrics they're working on and kind of what uh-huh. makes a good story for, for them. But um, yeah, I would just say covering it more. And yeah. now that I say that, maybe that's on the musicians to be doing cooler stuff. To <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, in short, I would just say covering it more. And then fans, I mean, honestly, it's like, giving us your money (laughs) it is financial support yeah yeah dude it is production and like studio time and like making music has gotten a lot less expensive which has been fantastic for musicians but what i would say is equally as important if not sometimes more important if your music isn't good is the marketing and that's expensive um so yeah like supporting supporting with your wallet like yeah show come up to the shows and you know buy the music buy the merch you know whatever it is mm-hmm. but um yeah supporting with your wallet is is so helpful yeah and i definitely through like uh crowdfunding and like um membership mm-hmm. type uh revenue yeah, patreon type patreon thing. stuff like that i mean if you want to, if you want to do music on OnlyFans, that's your prerogative. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> yo, I, why not, bro? I do not see why not. Get out there. Yes. Get out there. Yeah, it seems like there are going to be a lot more avenues though for independent artists to 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 make music or to make uh, money. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
kind of just in the anticipation of things fully opening up. Um, how do you feel about the uh, post-COVID music scene? Do you see a big explosion? Do you feel like it's going to take some time to get back? <laughs> I think that's the question that like everyone in the industry is trying to figure out. No one really yeah. knows the answer to. The people that I've been talking to um, who book... So this guy I was talking to who books in New York uh, venue, it's like 16,000 cap. And so it's, it's a large venue. And he was like, we're starting to fill our calendar for fall of 2021. Mm. And which I feel like is ambitious um, because as things slowly open up, I honestly, I feel like music, large scale events, <clears throat> festivals and things like that are going to be the last thing to happen yeah and or to to come back in full swing um so you'll hate this answer but like i don't know i really <laughs> yeah. i really don't no. know and i don't know if people are going to like storm the gates as soon as festivals open things like that mm-hmm. um if people will have money like i don't know what the economy is going to look like For if sure. people are going to be struggling and willing to spend 350 dollars for a weekend at coachella um mm-hmm. I actually don't even know if that's what Coachella costs, but I just, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, what that's going to look like. I think it's funny that we're doing this today. Like with the inauguration today, I think yeah. <clears throat> like Biden Harris have a lot on their plate to figure out mm-hmm. for, for the country in terms of economically, how do we help people and kind of how do we bring things back to balance? Um, so I, hopefully all goes well and people have extra money in their wallets and can yeah. go to shows and can support in, in that regard and, and feel like it's safe enough to do that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of cool if like that, I mean, not to not, I mean, I don't want people to be struggling with money, but if people don't have, you know, 120 to drop on, you know, Drake at Vivint, then mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we can see a, a small explosion in local, cheaper shows yeah. you know yeah that'd be great something like that that'd all right so i i don't want to take up too much more, more of your time i got a couple rapid fire questions for you okay I'm in the zone. okay so uh i wanted to know who are three local artists you expect big three things from Ooh, good one um cinders is a band um jen blossel singer songwriter and Cherry Thomas out of Ogden. Yeah, Yeah. love Cherry Thomas. Yeah. Oh, do you know her? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She is a brilliant voice. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, those three. Yeah. Um, Favorite local restaurant? Ooh. um, Like the first one that came to my mind was Tsunami Sushi. Mm hmm. That's only in Utah, right? Like, there's a few locations, but I feel like it's only in Utah. I feel, yeah, I think I think maybe the establishment is local, but there is, like, a tsunami sushi in every, just like there's always an Ichiban or something. You know, they kind of just gravitate. Okay, so don't count that. <laughs> um, okay, so it, uh, then, uh, yo, I'm the worst. <laughs> Dang, I don't know. He's like, I only eat at McDonald's, man. <laughs> Bro, but literally, like, <laughs> I, I should have stock in McDonald's because of how often. Every time my manager calls me, she's like, are you in line at McDonald's? Like, yes, I am. I'm in the drive. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, McDonald's in Fort Union. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Um, what was the last thing you listened to on Spotify? Um, oh, this is embarrassing. Sale by <laughs> AWOL Nation. It was no, it's definitely not in the regular rotation. It was just stuck in my head today. And I was like, I have to listen to it to get it out. And the song before that was um, Wellerman by The Longest John. Um, Soon may the Wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tongue in his what is dumb, going, we'll What is going on food. with pirate shanties becoming like, a, a no. meme, dude. Is this a TikTok thing? <laughs> it absolutely started on TikTok, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know what it is. Like, it slaps, man. It absolutely <laughs> slaps. I was out here like, call me like Captain Black Sparrow at this point because <laughs> I am feeling it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm yeah, looking dude. forward to the uh, Jay Warren Shanty album. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I mean, keep waiting. Don't hold your breath. But um, yeah, it's fire. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, last question I had. Do you have a cringe-inducing memory from a past performance? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the first show that I did um, with my full band mm -hmm. was at this venue in Provo um, where they do... I mean, they do like a ton of different things, like an event space. And so, and they have different rooms. And so we were in one room um, and I'm headlining this show. And then the other room was a quince, a quinceanera. Yeah. And so there's me playing like this, like kind of somber, down tempo, like mm -hmm. melancholy, sad people music. And then in the other room is a full mariachi band, just like going in <laughs> and the the walls were not thick enough no sound isolation to be happening oh my gosh and so the entire time i'm on stage <laughs> i was just i was completely out of my element like cuz all i was hearing was the, was the mariachi band and i'm like no. i cannot focus like i cannot focus on just yeah. singing and i'm just worried the whole time about what is the audience like hearing and what how yeah, is yeah. this sounding and da da da, da. Um, <laughs> and so yeah me and the band talk about that all the time we're like hey it'll never get worse than that show where <laughs> I just oh I was not in it my head was not there at all the, infi the infamous mariachi show absolutely yeah <laughs> Pro oh Provo Utah it's man what a night, what a night. <laughs> well Jay thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with us I expect many great things from you I expect to see uh, you on the charts oh, again oh. Wait, I'm yeah. so sorry. There, there was another cringe-inducing moment that I just okay. remembered. Okay. Part <laughs> um, two, let's go. One time I was on stage and like the stage manager was trying to figure out if, um, if we were like going too late and we were going to hit like a sound ordinance. This was mm -hmm. in, this was in Highland. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, she's like trying to figure out like if the mayor or like the cops were coming to like shut down whatever da, 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 da. and they didn't end up coming and she like gave me the thumbs up they're like all right we're still going because i was like talking to them i was like all right so do we know what we're doing because we're gonna start another song blah 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 and she had on like these cream colored pants and for uh -huh. whatever reason in my brain like once she was like all right we're good to go i was like oh awesome 
cream pants. You did it. Everybody, cream pants, cream pants. <laughs> and I was like, it wasn't until everyone was saying it that I was like, that was a terrible thing to start a chant about. <laughs> like, that, that was not the words that I should <laughs> Did you catch oh, up with her man. afterwards? <laughs> no, I think I got out of there so fast. Yeah, yeah I was like, I, no, I'm not talking to you. Uh-uh. <laughs> she went home and she's like, I just had the weirdest night of my life. I was like, oh my gosh, the whole crowd was telling me. Anyway, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, cream pants, good times. <laughs> well, shout out to cream pants if you're out there listening. <laughs> yeah, thank you for not getting the show shut down. Really appreciate that. <laughs> well, man, I'm excited to get back into venues as I as I expect you are. And, uh, oh gosh, can't wait. Yeah, excited to see what you do next, man. Thanks a lot for uh, talking to us. No, thank you for having me. Holy Hive, appreciate it. Jordan, you're the man. <laughs> awesome. We'll talk to you later, bud. See ya. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right. That's going to do it for the Holy Hive show this week. Thank you everybody for tuning in. And uh, if you want to keep up with what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those handles are at Holy Hive Utah. Dan, anything else? Not particularly. I hope you have a, a, a joyous week. I hope you have a a nice uh, transition into your new home. Thank you. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later. Later. Later.